Good morning. Welcome to Morning Prayers. We will begin today's service with a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Chapel Psalter Book, Psalm Selection number 34, found on page 17. Please stand as you are able. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast to the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. This poor soul cried, and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers, to cut off the, rem the remembrance of them from the earth. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from all. He keeps all their bones, not one of them will be broken. The Lord, the Lord redeems life with his service. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You may take your seats. Morning. Good morning. Reading from Exodus 24, verses 9 and 10. Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadav and Avihu and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and under the feet of that presence, the like of a paved work of sapphire stone, and like the very essence of the heavens in brightness. And they beheld God, and ate, and drank. 
In terms of the Jewish cycle of readings from our scriptures, you catch me right up on Mount Sinai, which is to say just now in synagogues all throughout the world, Jewish communities are reading of Israel's sojourn at the mountain, of the Ten Commandments and the tablets of the law and the giving of the Torah. On the one hand, it is an overwhelming moment, an encounter with the ineffable so awe-striking that the people fear for their lives. You speak with us, say the children of Israel to Moses, but let not God speak with us, lest we perish. And Moses, at the foot of Sinai, instructs, set boundaries for the people round about, saying, take heed that you not go up to the mountain or touch the borders of it. Whosoever touches the mountain surely is to die. And the thunder and the lightning and the resounding voice and in the midst of it all, up go 70 elders with Moses and Aaron and his sons, seemingly right up to the very firmament beneath God's feet, if such a thing were thinkable, and they seem quite comfortable there. When you arrive at the pure shining stones, says Rabbi Akiva in the Talmud, in what seems to be a related but quite mysterious and foreboding instruction to mystical adepts attempting perilous experiences of heavenly ascents, do not cry out, water, water. And the trepidation of the Talmud, which in that same tractate imaginally takes us into transcendent territory that it simultaneously marks as mortally dangerous, is well illustrated by its story of a child who once was perusing the book of Ezekiel and suddenly grasped what was meant in that prophet's celestial visions by the word electrum, Whereupon, says the Talmud, immediately a flash of fire shot forth from the heavenly electrum and consumed that child. Trespassers W, to quote A.A. A. Milne. But then the very next line in the Talmud, in a perfect example of its intrepidity, or perhaps better said its chutzpah, somewhat impishly inquires, now what exactly is meant by electrum? Those who seek learning in the spirit of the Talmud apparently are not meant to be timid or put off, even by awe, from their questing. Perhaps Harvard University intends to impart something of a similar ethos by having its first-year students eat and drink under something rather like the enchanted ceiling of the Hogwarts dining hall, as imagined by J.K. Rowling. I mean, of course, the soaring vaults of the Annenberg Freshman Dining Commons in Memorial Hall. It's a somewhat odd setting for the tables and the trays of a refectory, but then so is the summit of Mount Sinai. And yet, there the 70 select men of Israel sit in our scripture, eating and drinking. University of Chicago historian of science, Lorraine Dastin, reviewing our own Professor Philip Fisher's Wonder, the Rainbow, and the Aesthetics of Rare Experiences says, Philosophers have long since forgotten the Platonic maxim famously repeated by Aristotle that wonder is the beginning of philosophy. Philosophy may begin in wonder, she agrees, but does it then kill wonder off, she asks, in an eatable act of explanation? And she notes the downward slide of wonder from the first of the passions to ignominious neglect has already begun in the 18th century, Fontenelle, Hume, and other philosophes regarded wonder as a bumptious passion associated with children, gawking peasants, backward civilizations. Were the 70 elders of Israel backward? 
are Harvard students. Professor Fisher's resuscitation of wonder is exactly an endeavor to show how the feeling of it can endure throughout and indeed can impel and be experienced as the consummation of the analytic learning process. But speaking of bumptious passions and of purity and about rarefied atmospheres of learning, what about all that eating and drinking in proximity to the ineffable and wondrous? Aren't we perhaps supposed to leave such sensory and earthbound preoccupations behind in order for the world to come to be, as the Talmud suggests, a realm in which the righteous delight in the radiance of the divine presence? In other words, isn't the cafeteria something of a necessary but unfortunate distraction from the classroom, and isn't the dorm room then all the more so? In order that we may approach him, says Arya Kaplan in his reading of Sefer Yitzirah, the early Jewish mystical book of creation, God created a dimension of nearness to his being. By moving through this dimension, we are able to come closer and closer to God. This dimension is what we call the spiritual world, which hardly sounds like a place to eat and drink. On the other hand, Talmudic tradition teaches several times over that the Torah, the highest teaching and the fabric of the world in rabbinic thought, was given to us human beings as distinct from heaven's angels. Instead of that teaching being an excuse for leniency or meant to discourage aspirationalism, I think Yale scholar of rabbinics Christine Hayes is right to suggest that it rather urges us to think about what it is to be human and what it is that humans should aspire to be. In conclusion, let me put it this way. First as a proposition, and then for us here this morning as a prayer. Perhaps it is not just the case that the experience of wonder can and should endure all the way through the learning process and be felt in learning's times of utmost and consummating insight. Perhaps, too, the experience of being human can and should endure all the way through our most transporting and inspiring experiences of wonder. Perhaps then the dimension of the spiritual need not exclude that which is most human about us, but instead should be that dimension in which we explore and express what it is to be human in the presence of the divine. And if that sounds right to you, perhaps you will be willing to accompany me in a corresponding prayer. And if so, let us pray that we have the courage to give ourselves to experiences of wonder, that wonder inspire us to learn and to ascend, that in wonderment we celebrate our being human, that as wondering human beings, we marvel with and at one another, and in that wonderment that we glimpse and honor the image of the divine. And if such can be your prayer this morning, then say with me, Amen. Amen. Let us join together and pray the Lord's Prayer found in the back of your order of worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able to sing from the Crimson Mem Church hymnal, hymn, Praise Our Great and Gracious Lord, found on page 15. Please stand. Before I offer the benediction, I'd like to invite you all to Mem Cafe, just in the memorial room, to your left as you exit the chapel. I hope you will join us for tea, coffee, and conversation. Receive now this benediction. May the Lord keep you from evil, and may the Lord keep you in your going out and in your coming in, from this time on, forevermore. Amen. Amen.